You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and uh, man, the last week in this house has been crazy. I know a lot of you guys can relate. I, today is like like a 50% day for me, so I had the flu real bad yesterday and half the day the day before, and um, I, I'm starting to feel like 50% again, and uh, we had the throw-ups, we had the poops, we had... <laughs> My daughter had it the same time I did, and then earlier this week, my son had it, and then earlier uh, earlier than that, my other son had it. So the only person that hasn't had it yet is my wife, so knock on wood that she doesn't get it, or my dog, and I don't care if my dog gets it and dies. And that's a different story, uh, because I'm not a huge fan of my dog right now. He, uh, let's see, what did he do today? My wife went to bed, and he sleeps on our bed, and he got off of the bed and then he got into the trash in my bathroom and he chewed like he just got everything out of the trash and what else did he do oh he started chewing on some underwear uh, some of my wife's underwear and it's ruined and what else did he do oh he sometimes he still poops and pees in the house so uh, I spent two thousand dollars on this dog it's a cockapoo It doesn't retrieve sheds. It doesn't retrieve ducks. It's just what I would call a companion dog, but nobody in my house likes this dog. And even my wife right now is starting to get to her wit's end with this animal. And I am pretty close. I mean, I'm, I don't want to sound like an asshole here, but I'm really, really close to doing one of two things. The, the nice thing would be to rehome it or the other thing I would do is just like drop it off <laughs> this sounds so bad just saying it out loud but like dropping it off at a at some kind of no-kill shelter or even out out at a farm where there's some little kids and and just leave it and just make it somebody else's problem which is not a cool thing to do but I want this dog out of my house I, I've tried to love it I've tried to get past it but I can't and it's it's starting to be more of a problem than it is uh like a good thing so that's what I'm going through 
you know, I got the flu and I got this dumbass dog that uh, I, I'm trying to deal with here on the uh, in the nine finger layer, so to speak. So today's episode, however, though, is much brighter, right? Today, we're going to talk with Nick Otto. Now, I love interviewing Nick because Nick loves deer hunting. He loves to cook deer meat. And he's just an overall outdoorsman that I think, in my opinion, I think more people need to listen to. He is the host of the Hunt of War podcast on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. And I am a huge fan of Nick, so I wanted to get him on today. And the topic is meat hunting versus antler hunting or mature buck hunting. If there's any overlap, if there's anything to do to bridge the gap between these style of hunters, because in one camp you have, hey man, I just want to fill the freezer and they shoot whatever comes by and I would put Nick into into that court category. And then there's me in this category and that is, hey, I want to, I want the, the oldest, biggest mature fu- uh, buck on the farm and uh, if he has the biggest antlers, even better yet right and so we have a guy who wants to fill the freezer and then and that's his first priority like nick and then a guy like me whose first priority is big antlers on the wall and a subset of that is meat for the freezer so i want to talk i wanted to get nick on because lately in on social media and in other podcasts i've been talking about rules and regulations and you know if they are the best for particular states i've been trying to involve people from other states but what i found is a lot of the people who comment are just like me right they're more in my camp than they are let's say in someone like like nick's camp so i wanted to get someone on this podcast to talk about deer hunting who is as completely opposite of me as possible and I thought, and and so Nick came up, and Nick graciously uh, decided he wanted to come on, and and here we are, and out comes this really really awesome podcast that I know you guys are going to enjoy. Um, when I when I first started deer hunting, I can say this: when I first started deer hunting, man, I was uh, I was all about just trying to get out into the woods, and then really when I started deer hunting seriously is when I got, I, I say got ruined by the big buck craze because in 2000, I've been hunting since I was about 14, I think 12, 12, 13, 14. I really can't remember. Uh, but I was going out and I was trying to shoot anything that moved it. Brown, it's down. Right. And then uh, I never did shoot a deer uh, in those first couple of years with my bow. I never did. I never did go shotgun hunting in that time frame. I was just archery. And then a whole bunch of time goes by, and 2006 shows up. I'm 26 years old. I'm out of college, and I get back into deer hunting, and, and I get back in seriously. And I and then I was ruined by the big buck craze. Right. And so then I jumped all these steps and I started passing deer and things like that. So I understand that um, there's different phases for everybody and people. And I've, I've mentioned this in other podcasts that uh, people are products of their environment. I'm I am a product of the Iowa environment that I live, which gives me the luxury. And I understand it's a luxury to pass small bucks to get them to be a much older and bigger size you know in other states maybe in nick's kind of category um he doesn't have that luxury so he hunts different ways 
And so it's two people from two different environments having a conversation. And that's what today's episode is about. Anyway, before we get into today's episode, I'm going to knock out these commercials and that's what pays the bills. I guess if you are a company, if you own uh, a hunting company and you want your brand to get a a lot of exposure, man, hit me up. I'd love to work with uh, some good quality brands and I'd love to take your money and I would love to promote your product. And that's how this happens, right? It, it's a, it's no brainer. I sell advertising space uh, and that's how I make my money. And that's how this podcast stays free and you, you get it. Everybody gets it. So uh, here's the deal. Tethered. I'm, I'm pretty jacked up about getting back in the saddle literally this year. And uh, I think I'm going to be doing less spot and stock hunting and more Less spot and stock hunting and more, what kind, what kind of, more, more saddle hunting, more mobile hunting. And just like the guys at Tethered say, a saddle isn't the only way to hunt, but it is an awesome tool to have in your lineup. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to being as mobile as possible this year and using a a tethered saddle and accessories to do that. So if you're looking to get better educated on how to become a saddle hunter, go check out tethered's YouTube channel, their website, everything you need to know, including the products to buy are on, on their website. So go check that out. Wasp archery, uh, badass broadheads, man, that just do nothing but destroy whatever they hit leave nasty blood trails they destroy flesh and that's what you want in a broadhead you want it to kill whatever whatever it hits and so when i even even on a marginal shot i'm very confident in the outcome of of that and that is uh, you know complete and utter destruction and so if you're looking for a badass broadhead whether that's a fixed blade or a mechanical then you need to go check out wasparchery.com i do have a 20 percent discount code for you nfc20 and that's going to get you 20 percent off of all of your broadheads made in america a majority of their heads are still made in america with some badass material and some badass designs uh don't overlook wasp and then we have hunt stand as of right now, hunt stand, it's one of those, it's, it is a tool that I don't know what I would do without my mobile hunting apps, right? You take that away from me and I'm starting back to the plot map stage. If you guys can remember life before digital maps and, uh, you know, like having to, being able to pull up hunt stand, look at a landowner and their property boundaries, um, like going backwards into that just seems unfathomable at this point so um that's why i love hunt stand and literally being able to document everything that you find and everything that you you see out in the woods and just create basically journal entries for all that stuff and then you can reference that throughout the year so uh, go check out huntstand.com read up on all the functionality as well as the pro whitetail platform upgrade that's available if you're a whitetail nut you're definitely going to want to check that out uh where are we at vortex optics last but not least vortex optics man i mentioned this in an earlier podcast really vortex especially in the hunting industry is the gold standard for optics whether it's a rifle scope whether it is a pair of binoculars or rangefinder now uh you know optic accessories like their new tripod series that they have that that's come out these guys are it 
uh, and on top of just having awesome quality products, they have this VIP warranty. You smash it, you break it, you destroy it, you send it in for free. They will fix it and then send it back to you because they want lifelong customers. If you have any questions, you call their experienced customer service line and they will help you with all of your problems. So Vortex Optics is in, in forgive me for my language, the shit. All right. So vortexoptics.com. Please go out and support the brands that support this podcast, man. I really appreciate that. Please make sure you are following along on the Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page. I know I'm probably banned or I have uh, limited visibility on the platform because of what I post. So please go out, search for me and find me and follow me. And that would help me out. And, and also subscribe to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network RSS feed and the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast RSS feed as well. So please go out, do all those things, support the cause and uh, enjoy the content. Three, two, one. All right, coming to you live from the back seat of a truck in Michigan, Mr. Nick Otto. What's up, dude? Hey, man. Hey, it's thanks for having me on. I tell you what, um, when it comes to being a podcaster, like this is the the new west of of, of media, and mm. it, we got to be able to do this wherever, whenever. So here I am in the back of the truck. It's not my first rodeo back here, so this is actually comfy. Uh, with all the padding and everything and yeah. yeah without a bunch of stuff i got plenty of room back here. perfect perfect let me ask you a question i'm just looking at the inside of your truck what year is it this is uh 2013 Ooh. it's a chevy silverado okay she's she's no uh she's not young but at the same time she's experienced yes um we got a few dents on the side and so it now really is a truck once right. you get a new truck it's you, you, you baby it until you get that first dent. Yeah. And then after that, it becomes a tool in your toolbox. This is definitely a tool. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I'm sitting outside, uh, in my driveway is a 2005 Nissan Titan with a, with a topper on it. And we're going to get into that here in a second, but, uh, and it is literally the biggest hunting tool that I have because, out west i sleep in the back of it and i take it everywhere i go and just like what you said uh and it's it's the reason why i don't buy brand new vehicles anymore i always buy them used uh is because i beat the shit out of my equipment these days Mm -hmm. and uh when i'm like i have rust around both wheel wells i have you know dents and scrapes uh you know on up my my tailgate uh uh, opener doesn't work. So I got to slide my hand in there and, and Jimmy it open and things like that. So, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where, where, uh, I like having a piece of it's paid off. And I, if I scratch it up some more, no big deal. Amen. Amen. Yeah. At that point, I mean, shoot, I have a face for radio, let alone <laughs> like my truck is to follow suit with that as well. You know, exactly. we're not people find us handy not handsome exactly (laughs) exactly um and and so big announcement in your life you now you've now joined the topper on your truck club yes yes um i know we just said a minute a second ago that cosmetics weren't a big deal but i did i i waited to find one that fit the 07 through ot or uh through 13 model um i had a 98 chevy and i had a topper on that and when I put it on, the guy was helping me that I bought it from. I bought it for 80 bucks. We threw it on, and he's like, hey, go two inches your way. As I was about to say, hey, go two inches your way. 
<laughs> so this thing definitely it was the right like length but width wise it was off and then height was was really wonky yeah. so my my white truck then looked like a tortoise like because it had this extra shell on the outside right. just looked bad but i didn't care it did a job it was a function exactly. of truck you know naysayers here or there i was like you know what it works and so right. that's what this was i did wait to find one that matched though so now yeah. i have a it's sleek sides it fits all in but just like you said it's going to be a tool when we get the camper out like all the kids shit goes in the back yeah and we can load more shit that's what camping yep. is how much can you take to the campground so but yeah i'm going to be using this this spring break uh heading down to oklahoma to join john who from the uh Oklahoma podcast. We're yeah. going to shoot some hogs. Ooh, so buddy. the top was on. I want to keep water out of there because we got coolers going down. Yeah. We are going to load them things up. Yeah. The best part, and here's my favorite, uh, and really the reason why I uh, have like beat a beat up truck is because you can get blood and mud anywhere. And if it, if you do find blood or mud, you can just spray it off with a hose inside or outside of the truck. And, <laughs> and really that's all it is, is just a dead deer uh, carrying case, if you want to say. Yes, <laughs> I love it. So, well, congratulations on getting a topper on your truck. I have a random question to ask you. Yeah, you know, whenever a person says redneck, right? They they for some reason everybody thinks of the South. Mm-hmm. Do you are there rednecks in Michigan? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Good. So it's an everywhere. Um, it's an everywhere thing. Yes. Yes. It's a, it's a true lifestyle and maybe, maybe the definition of redneck. Yeah. We've got some folks that really like the way they communicate can come off very redneck ish. Um, But I would say it's more on the lifestyle Gotcha. and you see things that folks do with, with discarded pieces of equipment or the hodgepodge of putting things together or just ideas you never thought of. Like red redneck ingenuity is strong here <laughs> in the Michigan state. If you, if you can't buy it or assume it's, if it's too expensive and you can't buy it, you're going to find a way to make it. You're right. going to find a way to make something happen. And so that's where we really see that work here in Michigan. So we turn like, a lot of heads, but at the same time we get things done. Yeah. So, so you've already made a kind of a quote from red green, and so it sounds like what you've just described is a, a red green sh- show type deal. Absolutely. Right. Right. <laughs> cool, man. All right. So I've been thinking a lot lately about hunt hunters in general and the separation um, kind of between, and I'll just use us, me and you as an example. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I, whenever I go out hunting, my goal isn't necessarily always to fill the freezer first. Filling the freezer for me is a benefit of trying to kill a big mature whitetail in hopes that he has big antlers on his head too. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a product of my environment here in Iowa. And so I wanted to talk with someone on the network who is as complete opposite and i don't mean that in any disrespect but who is uh as as complete opposite of me as possible in their approach to a hunting season per se and so and 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 you popped up right because you really focus on the the food you focus on the meat and, and 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 i feel like you focus on 
you know, maturity and antler size less, like it's on the bottom of your priority list. Is, is that a, a, a correct assumption? Yes, that is a very fair assumption to make that I like how you said priority, that, that it's a list. Like, yeah. is it, is it on there? Oh, sure. It's definitely on the list. But just like you said, like you're a product of your environment, you're a product of what your motivations are. And so that's going to shift those priorities. And absolutely you could take my list and almost flip it and that would be then your list yeah. so yeah you were good in, in picking me as far as someone who's you know i'm not just des- when it comes to stuff on the head like that is secondary yeah. by all means if something big comes in front oh we're gonna we're gonna do our best to take it but yeah. saying time that's not the end all be all to the story exactly and so recently in uh, uh in some of the podcasts that i've done i've really been focusing on the needs and wants of me and uh, some of the other people who are like me in this, uh, in the state of Iowa or just in general, like serious bow hunters uh, who may or may not hunt during the gun season, or if they do hunt in the gun season, it's just an extra season to them where they put most of their eggs into the archery basket. And so I've asked questions uh, along the lines of, crossbows right should cross our crossbows uh should they be allowed during an archery season would you count that as archery or to to a guy uh, you know to someone like me or or someone who complains about not having big bucks in their state you know you you often hear that coming out of michigan pennsylvania new york like hey where's our big bucks we don't have any big bucks yet you have a two buck state yet you have a, a rifle season during the rut and so on and things like that and so I've, I've really voiced my opinion um, in really just my, uh, in, in my field of view and what I want for how I hunt. But I've, you know, I wanted to get you on to talk about the other side of that because it's only fair, right? If I just said, hey, this is what I want, that's unfair to every, uh, every other hunter. You got to get it from all sides. And Absolutely. so, and so I want, I want you to, to, I don't know if the right word is stereotype or generalize, but I want you to talk to me about the category of hunter that you feel that you fall into and and how you think along with the other people who you would relate to think in a given year. Gotcha, gotcha. That's a big question. Yeah. Because... And and I was as I was trying to you you told me this was going to be the topic and so as I was preparing for this, I kept coming back to kind of what we just kind of tipped off there at the beginning that it's a list of priorities. Yeah. So there's there's a test called the Enneagram, and that Enneagram basically uses a, a questionnaire and lays out doesn't it doesn't tell you your personality but it maps out where your personality tends to go in a stressed environment, say work, and what are some of your attributes that you may tend to do? This is based off years of data, years of study, and it it doesn't necessarily put you in a box, but what it does is it helps you be able to relate to others on this spectrum. And as we come into your, we all realize that, yeah, we're hunters. Whether we're out there for, for antlers or we're out there for meat, we do fall into this category of hunters, but yet this is an amazing platform where you've been able to now let's get both sides here. Let's talk about who wants the bigger bucks, who wants to to put in the extra effort, who's going to 
basically hold on to that tag, do tag soup because they are in search of something greater. They want the perfect chess match versus the side that I come from. I don't necessarily need to play the chess match. I'm there. I'm there for the checkers. I'm there for the enjoyment. I want, I want the big antlers, but at the same time, there is a goal that I am trying to fill at that point, and that is first and foremost the freezer. Mm-hmm. The the element of having a full freezer of high-quality food, high-quality meat is a priority in my household. Um, I could probably go into a whole thing on how I should probably have less of that. I'm not the most <laughs> healthy person when it comes to portion sizes. So, yeah, like venison, like I was going to get into macros at one point where, say, venison does have in a three-ounce portion has you know basically one and a half times the amount of protein that beef does and that's all been proven but at the same time i'm not looking at labels at that point i'm looking at how big of a backstrap i can put down in my in my gullet yeah but that's the focus is the meat aspect i love to have the burger it it sustains my family as they continue to grow and grow i've got three boys and feeding them heathens now is becoming a a real thing that has now approached us. We're yeah. we're going to be well, when we make McTacos or we make spaghetti. It's now two pounds that comes out, um, and they're only at eight, five, and four. So when they when they get into their teens, I mean, it's going to be like three pounds if we're going to make tacos. It's definitely going to be be up there. But the food aspect is is one thing of it, but at the same time, the opportunity. Yeah. to be able to go out and get an animal, I think is a real draw for for folks that are sitting there in my neck of the woods and in my my boat that are going after the meat. It's all about the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm going to strike first, and I'm going to get out because my time is valuable. Versus where someone who wants to play the chess game, you are mapping out an entire season. You are saying that this whole archery season, I am going to chase this specific animal or this specific class of animal. And that's going to be, that could be right at the beginning of the season. That could be, you know, Hey, that was a hail Mary win. I went in deep, got him. And I, I get to pull out more often than not. There's a lot of time invested, not only in the preseason, but in the late season. When I'm going into getting an animal, it comes to one of those things like I want to strike first because of a number of reasons. One, my time is valuable both with my family and then even, even with work. So there's a time crunch for folks that are saying, you know what, this, this archery season is a great time to be out. I do like that. It's quieter. It's uh, less stress on the animals. I want to take advantage of that. So by being practiced in archery, you can get out and be efficient about getting that first opportunity. So you get your group of does that come on through, you find the biggest one out of that, take that and you're done for, you know, that week until you can then prepare that animal. Then the game can kind of change. You know, if you, once you've got something in, in the freezer, at least maybe you can be a little bit more choosy with your second tag. Uh, we have the combo tag in Michigan. So you can take a buck and you can take a doe. Um, I believe in archery, you can make it two does. I don't think it necessarily has to be a buck. But at that point, being first to get in, get your animal, get it hung up, get it into the freezer, that's just a bit of pressure off yeah. your shoulder as the season goes on. Because then once the end of archery season happens, 
we do fall into gun season. Yeah. Um, Michigan is notoriously a orange army state. And um, as one who does like to get things in archery season, I, I, I pride myself in being proficient with a bow. If I didn't get the work done in that time, it is a second opportunity with now, okay, now we have a little extra range here. And so now we're able to go out with a firearm and take that. I live in the limited firearm zone. So we're, I'm, I'm with a, I'm still with a slug gun. I like the 12 gauge, uh, which works out very well in the property that I'm at. But if I can get it all done and not even have to take out that firearm, beautiful. Okay. But at the same time you get to late season and I have room in that freezer this is the, a great tool to be able to go back in there, take another two animals, be it they hopefully that they're the does at that point, because you can get several doe tags versus just your two buck tags. But be able to take those animals, get them proper properly uh, butchered, and then to get those in the freezer, that's that, that main goal that we're trying to do. At no point are we wanting to, to be a hassle on others goals or yeah. uh what people are aspiring to do it's we're just focused on what our needs are from this family right or from from what we're trying to do and that goal of being able to say hey if i can get a year's worth of venison in this season and then i have to worry about it until next season heck yeah let's yeah. do that how many so de- yeah that's a long way to yeah just you know. for for you and your family how many deer is a full freezer uh or or, or what would be the minimum that you would how many deer to to feed your family for a year we are currently at three 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 deer um again i'm my redneck is going to really expose itself again here um we have what i'm affectionately called the salvage season and if you travel up and down the rural roads of michigan you will find people who smuck deer with their car on a regular basis right and so I was actually able to get two bonus salvage deer this year just off of early hits. So at that point, I could I could stop at three, being as young as they are, but I'm seeing that we're going to probably need to put four to five probably when they get older. So taking advantage of, of yeah. one that's just been discarded. You know, again, there's a whole whole uh, methodology to that. But at the same yeah. time, um, yeah, so I, I, in our freezer right now, we're sitting at four. But I got a podcast that I'm supposed to create content for. And so as much <laughs> as I can get to play around with and to show people, hey, this really worked or this really didn't work, then, uh, yeah, I need a little bonus meat there as well. Yeah. So would would it be okay if I called you a meat hunter? Would, would you would you wear that badge or not? Yes, yeah. I would wear I would wear that badge and I'd wear it proudly. Okay. All right. So as a meat hunter, do you ever pass deer? Yes. Um, in a couple scenarios, one being that I am not willing to take a questionable shot. Mm. A questionable shot at a range that I may be iffy at is going to be something that is going to put a detriment on my end product. If I have a big buck come through, and let's just say my, my ethical range is 35 yards and i have a buck come through at 37 i'm not willing to put a poke on that in the archery season again we're talking that i mean length 
changes once you get to uh, to firearms. But if I put a bad hit on that deer at 37 yards, that is going to mean I now have to track this animal. I've got to find blood. I've got to maybe find, you know, maybe I've hit it in the gut. Maybe it was a bad hit. But now there's there's time where my meat, my end product, my goal is now on the on the time crunch. I've put a bad hit. I now need to pull back, wait a couple hours, go back in, and hopefully come upon this animal. That I mean, that's hunting. Yeah. Um, if I can give myself confident shots, close range, that means that animal's going to die quickly. I've been blessed with the past several deer seeing them move off, stop, and fall. And that has just been that that's the perfect scenario as a meat hunter is I want that to fall within view. I know exactly where it's at. I can get down. I can now begin my process there. What is sickening to me as a meat hunter. And that I say sickening as in your own feeling yeah. is I've now wounded that animal. There's the, it has to now go suffer to go die. But at the same time, now when it does die, that now length it's on now on a time crunch it's now on a ticking clock you can almost think of the show 24 where you just have that ticker deet, deet, yeah. going in the back of your head that i need to get there before it spoils i yeah. need to get there before in some places where coyotes are going to take my bounty before i get there and so the idea of oh let it lay all night and then we'll go check for it in the morning for an antler hunter that's a great practice because you're after that goal and prize of killing that mature animal and mature animals fight hard. They live hard. They don't die easy. Right. And so that's a big practice um, that I see from the antler hunter that doesn't transition well into the meat side of it. So specifically a close shot is, is what we want to be able to do. And if that deer's flirting at that, that iffy range, that's going to let me kind of wait. For the next right. one if maybe they turn maybe they circle back uh maybe they something jostles them and they move back around but taking ifing shots is not in our wheelhouse yeah outside of that though uh outside of uh an iffy shot age class sex and do any of those determinations if if is there a deer at 20 yards broadside that you're not shooting if it's tiny and has spots Yep, we'll 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 let that go. Yeah. Mom's probably not too far behind, but if we can if we can manage to let yearlings go, that that would be something that we could totally be willing to do. Yeah. Um and again, like just with, with anybody, like would you be would you be happy with this deer at the end of the season if you pass it at the beginning yeah. of the season? Yeah. And so you look at some of these larger spikes in, in Michigan, we've got some pretty big deer that don't necessarily show a lot of headgear and a spike to come through at that premier opportunity. It's close and you're looking to fill it. That one, it's going to depend if it's a, if it's a smaller skinnier deer at that point, you'd probably let it walk. Yeah. But at the same time, if you've got a job to do and your goal is to, to put meat down, there's not too many animals that we're going to let just walk by. Yeah. And that's a great point because man, um, Whenever a doe group comes through, and I'm talking about in Iowa too, uh, a doe group comes through, and then right behind it 
this doe group or maybe in with this doe group is a spike that 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 you know yearling spike is already bigger or you know our first year deer is already bigger than a three-year-old doe and so if you're looking for meat and, and you're looking for most meat per deer i mean why not right and so um so let me play devil's advocate here a second and, and and maybe maybe you fall into this category maybe you don't and you know really what i'm trying to find here is this this opportunity for an antler hunter and a meat hunter to meet in the middle or something like that um and and from what i hear in michigan there's plenty of does to go around um as a meat hunter why um why don't you just shoot does and also like let young bucks walk if that makes sense yes it it really comes down to again my my own personal setup is opportunity right and more often than not if i need to get something that week if early part of october i have this um this this cloud of thanksgiving my family owns a turkey farm so i have these basically my my deer hunting halts for two weeks that i can go back to turkeys and so i have this this cloud coming of you can't hunt for two weeks uh because you have dedication time elsewhere so i feel this crunch and now the first thing that is available is a sizable deer right in front of me Mm -hmm. it happens to have small antlers but at that point the opportunity for me to take this animal and to then achieve the goal that I'm trying to be able to achieve is right there in front of me. Mm-hmm. More often than not, when you get a deer who's not really paying attention to his surroundings, usually moving on his own, usually early up, you know, first one up moving around, it's going to be those spikes. It's going to be those yearling bucks mm-hmm. that are just mindlessly walking around. And that seems to be the opportunity that kind of falls into meat hunters a lot. Yeah. We want the first available. There he is. Would that, would knowing that behind that, that buck or later past that buck, if we knew, if we had that crystal ball that says, hey, here comes that group of does, if you wait past this uh, spike, you will have the opportunity for does, by all means, we'd say, hey, you know what, if that's what we're going to do, if we're going to save young bucks and we'll wait for those does to come through, we could do that. Um, but at the same time, that's holding a crystal ball. We yeah. don't have that crystal ball and it's the opportunity. It's the need for us to be able to fill it with a body first available. And yeah. so that's where we would take that. Not because we have a desire to just shoot young deer, Are younger deer more tender. Are they, uh, what do I want to say? Less, uh, venison tasting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can also see the argument on the other side. Wouldn't you wait for a bigger animal to be able to then maximize your yield per shot or per tag? We would love that day in and day out. But it's that definitely that opportunity piece gotcha. that really plagues a lot of meat hunters. Let me ask you a question. Let's say me and you both owned a farm. And let's just say for the most part, uh, the farm was identical, but the deer that lived on mine also lived on yours. Is there a way for guys like me and guys like you to live 
next to each other, get along and, and still both get what we want out of, uh, and this is a hypothetical question, obviously, like for you to, you know, I don't want to say necessarily it's brown, it's down, but, but you know, you're an opportunity guy. So whatever's in front of you, you're going to shoot. And for me, I, I pass young, young bucks. And if I want to, if I do want to fill the freezer, I'm going to shoot a doe and try to let long young bucks walk. Um, is there, is there a, a way that our two types of hunting can, can coexist? Absolutely. And the first thing that I think needs to happen is a communication between both sides. Yeah. I hold, I hold a bias thinking that my side is right. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I know antler guys are saying that my side is right. It goes, it goes back and forth. And if we're going to come to any sort of common ground of two farms being side by side, one, you trying to be able to achieve your goals and one mine or me being able to, to choose or to achieve my goals is communication up front. I say that in the fact that also the first communication, you know, I, and I hear it all the time, like, just in here in Michigan, there is so much that we guys are pushing for APRs. Guys are pushing to have rule changes. Guys are pushing for wanting to get us to be a one buck state. And all this is coming across in a very, it is a very angry place. I didn't, I didn't achieve my goals and they're, they're slamming their fists that we don't have, we don't have big deer and it becomes not a, not a discussion, but it becomes of you need to change. Yeah. because of my goals and that's a i don't want to say it's a hard pill to swallow but that's also one of those like well wait where do, why do your goals take precedent over mine oh i agree 100 percent, man I, yeah. I i just got off the phone with a landowner that is next to a property that i hunt and the first words out of his mouth are i i, I really i really like to pass 160s and i'm just like uh, I'm not passing 160s. I don't care. Right. You know, like I, you know, it would have to be a very small-bodied 160 class deer for me to uh, think about passing it. You know, I go, I I'm more of an age class guy. So if a 145 inch eight pointer as a five or six year old comes through, he's going to get an arrow from me. And so I like how it doesn't matter what whether you're a meat hunter or you're an antler hunter or you're this version of an antler hunter or this version of an ant or a different version of an antler hunter, there's always a group of people that think that it should be different in, in a way. And, and so um, I've uh, recently, I've been very vocal about Iowa and its rules and regulations and um, you know, wanting Iowa to stay the same and not change any of, you know, any uh, of their rules and regulations. And I think, um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to come off as an asshole, but I'm, I am very vocal, uh, about, um, you know, I'm very vocal about some of these rules and regulations because it makes really Iowa stand apart from the rest of the States in the country. And so, you know, you talked about rules and regulations that are fair. Do you, do you feel that there are room, there is room in rules and regulations to get 
our sides closer together uh, while still being able able to accomplish both goals? Yes. In the fact that, like I mentioned earlier, is opportunity. Yeah. And I come from Michigan where deer are a dime a dozen. They are in everybody's backyards. They are, there are suburban deer. There's urban deer. And then yep. there's rural deer. I mean, wherever you look, you find them. And then people are hitting them with their cars left and right. That We are not short of the white-tailed deer. Yep. That species is doing incredible in Michigan. Right. But it happens to be that we're now we're fighting over a specific class of that on mm-hmm. who can take it and who can't and when you can and when you can't. And the whole idea of being able for me to have an opportunity to go and shoot an animal. If it happened to come down to where we were going to change our two buck rule, it would not affect my, uh, my hunting style yeah. at all. Where I do start to do that is where we do start to get, I mean, it is one of those things like all of a sudden we have these, the, the, the APRs where we start having, you know, we're at one point, Hey, it's gotta be a forked antler. That's not going to be a problem for me. When it starts to say, hey, you can only take a buck with four on one side, but I have a nice big six point that comes through. I'm not feeling great, even though I'm letting that animal walk. I'm having experience. I'm looking at that. But for for a, a governing body to tell me, hey, you can't achieve your goals because others have taken precedent over what we want to have happen. That And it doesn't I – mean, I know we want older class and – biology has shown and science has shown that an older class of deer in an area can be healthier for the environment, can be healthier for the landscape, can be healthier for the uh, species in general. But at the same time, again, that's taking away that opportunity. Mm. There's got to be room in there as we're going through this, if we want to have APRs in areas, but then the same time to be realistic about those. Uh, As much as you want to say, well, if I, if I let it go, my neighbor's going to shoot it. Well, at the same time, you're living next to your neighbor. If your neighbor is looking for meat, you know what? Be help, be helpful to their goals because if they're able to achieve their goals earlier, they're going to not going to mess with your goals near as much. Yeah. Um, to come for, forward and trying to be be able to put regulations up front so that we can basically change the rules so that we. We get to keep things the way we want to keep them and not offer opportunity. That's, I think that's my big sticking point right there is I want to be able to have that opportunity to take venison. And if, if it's going to be one of those things where, where maybe I do have to change a little bit on what I'm doing, am I letting younger bucks go? Sure. But then there's got to be something where I can take something, be it a few more doe tags. Yeah. If we want a balanced environment, Hey, I'd be glad, but just give me that opportunity. Gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, another, another little, uh, poll that I took was about guns, gun seasons during November or during the rut, uh, certain States start in November. I mean, hell certain States, uh, some States even start in October and go all the way through November. Um, when does the, the gun season in Michigan start? We have the official kickoff November 15th. Okay. It's almost a state holiday. Um, but that is the day that, that you're able to use a firearm. Now there are youth hunt, there's a youth hunt in September and there's also a couple, uh, veteran hunts where firearms can be used. So they, they essentially get the first cracks of, uh, of the hammer there, uh, firearms 
but at the same time, the big the big showdown comes at November 15th. And yes, that is a, a drastic change on the landscape. But again, that's, I would say probably where we are, it's probably just just past the peak yeah. of rut at that point. Not so much, well, there's, there's still a little chasing going on, but there's still at that, well, we've always just kind of say it's like shuffling the deck again. Once the, <laughs> once that morning happens of November 15th, all hell breaks loose. Everything's out the window as far as strategy goes because everything's yeah. running for its life. Yeah. And, and so do you feel as someone who just wants to fill the freezer for the most part, you could accomplish that goal by moving the rifle season back a week? You know, this year, November, uh, November 15th lands on a Wednesday. If you moved that back from the 15th to the uh, 22nd or even the 29th, Let's just, and I, I'm just, I'm spitballing here. Um, <laughs> you could still accomplish your goal. Um, and then, you know, because the, the whole reason behind moving a, a gun season back would mean that younger deer, younger bucks per se, are not getting shot uh, with rifles at longer distances just because they're all horned up and, and running around crazy. If, mm-hmm. um, do you feel like, if the state said, all right, let's try this. Let's move it back a week to the 22nd, you know, right there around that Thanksgiving holiday um, and let the what the rut wind down a little bit more in hopes that it would increase the age class for bucks. Do you think that that would affect you, a meat hunter, to do you feel that do you look at let me ask you this because you've used the word opportunity do you feel that that would be a reduction of opportunity for you no okay now dan i'm glad you said the state was changing because if you were going to ask me to change the november 15th start (laughs) of the rifle of the firearm season in michigan uh that would create a riot yeah. beyond any scale and that's more or less tradition at that point but right right as far as opportunity goes if the gun season was shifted back a week i would not feel slighted in the fact that my the the weapon of choice now is changing yes. i guess that's how i would approach it is that i think that would for some meat hunters it would probably play their hand to say if you are serious about being uh, someone who wants to fill their freezer, yeah, you can continue to use your firearm at this point. This might move some folks over into the archery season to try and, hey, why don't you learn a craft? Why don't you yeah. better yourself, see the opportunity in the archery field, as opposed to then, you know, have a, basically be able to lengthen your season of enjoyment, use something in the archery season, but at the same time to move that, I don't think that would affect my opportunity at all. Okay. Uh, and, and then now kind of going to another topic that I've talked about in the, in the past is this is again, personal opinion, and I'm not out for anybody who does use a crossbow. Um, when it comes to being a meat hunter, uh, do you like for me in the archery season, I, I don't feel that a crossbow is archery. Okay, I feel like if you want to use it, use it during a gun season um, or use it during the late season. 
right? Like Iowa has opportunity to use crossbows uh, in the youth season. You can use it if you're uh, if you're disabled or if you're over over 65, or you can use it in the primitive weapon season, which is the late season muzzleloader. Okay, so uh, you know by me saying that it it frustrates some people, it pisses some people off, but as a meat hunter, if you are uh, if you're looking to fill your freezer, is there a method of take rifle, archery, crossbow, whatever, atlatl, um, that you would that you would prefer over another? Because I know in some states you can get one tag and you can use whatever whatever weapon you want to use to mm-hmm. to do that. Other states you have like Iowa has a gun tag, and we have our archery tag. And so we get we get two. Um, Michigan gets two as well. Where where does a weapon fall into this conversation? I would say that would even be personal preference, because here I am sitting as a meat hunter, but I enjoy the skill of archery. That's something I I really enjoy. Yeah. Um. I, I even got into the whole um, the traditional. I've got a longbow, and I love playing with that. That yet hasn't drawn blood yet. Um. But at the same time, like, I would say method or weapon of choice, I think, comes down to the individual. Um, Because at that point, living in a state where the crossbow has now joined uh, the archery season, it is now several years that, that people can choose between a vertical bow and a crossbow. And we're not finding that crossbows are even more effective than uh, vertical bows. And that's in the, in the hand of the hunter at, at that point. It's still going to be, you know, is that animal going to be able to come into range? And, I mean, if you seriously practice yourself at the crossbow, you can reach longer distances. But at the same time, it's still a bolt or arrow coming off of a string. You are going to be restricted. Is it going to be faster? Yes. Can you get a little bit more range? Yes. But it's, yeah, it's, I, people always try to equate it to a shitty shotgun but i would say it doesn't even reach that point as well um because there's the the element of people are going to screw up people are going to have bad hits i i don't have any data on this but i think that false confidence of using a crossbow is going to mean more shittier shots that are going to wind up in deer having to go expire and die and spend more time in the field which means less yield you're going to be able to get off that deer if it has to lay longer than expected yeah yeah so with that if a guy wants to choose given that we've already lived with it guy wants to choose a crossbow yeah he's he's going to choose a crossbow um i'm not one that's going to make a line whether it can be an archery or can't be an archery because at that point you you do have an opportunity an opportunity to learn archery if you want to partake in that season should we continue to open that because of the goals that the state is trying to to uh trying to achieve yeah i don't know that's that's tough because if if you make room for the crossbow there's another there's another dark cloud on the side on the uh, horizon called the airbow which is going to be more of an issue yeah so do you jump in the slippery slope or do you finally make a line i think i think just having a clear expectation of what you want during an archery season hey keep it vertical bow i you're going to have some people that are upset, but at the same time, you got to lay out like this is a season that we want to be able to chase animals. We want to be able to do it yeah. with 
a specific piece of equipment, I kind of feel bad for the muscle loader guys that, hey, we want to learn something about a flintlock. We want to use, we want a primitive firearm season. Why don't you just lay it out clear and say this is just a limited, uh, or this is a primitive firearm season? Yeah. And you then, know, being a misfit like a crossbow, it's it's hard to put you in any category. Yeah. And it, it, again, it's one of those conversations where, uh, like, it's impossible. I, I feel it would be impossible to make people happy. Like, uh, imagine if the DNR come, came in tomorrow and said, all right, here's what's going to happen. We're moving, we're moving the, the rifle season. We're not taking any time away. We're just moving it back one week. Like, I honestly feel that Michigan would burn. <laughs> like, like, I feel, yeah, yeah. I feel like Michigan would burn um, from, you know, just from everything that I've heard about that. But at the same time, I think the lot of, a lot of people who take advantage of that would also see the benefit of that. And, and getting, um, I don't know. I don't know. I Like, just kind of going back to, to not everybody can be happy. And I think a lot of the times people don't know what they like be. I don't think people understand the difference between what they want and what they need. Right. If, if you want bigger bucks in your state, then you need to change uh, certain rules and regulations to uh, accomplish that. Right. But it like sounds to me now, Let me ask you a question. Do you feel that there are more people in your state or, and you can even use your state or the nation specifically who are closer to your camp when it comes to hunting or closer to my camp when it comes to hunting? Ooh. I would say, I would say that people do start out with an opportunity focus right there's a lot of field to fork programs that's how early hunters are starting out is that we're out there for the meat specifically this is the shoot prices are going through the roof food is expensive i can get something high quality by getting a ticket taking a firearms course or taking hunter safety and then being able to now year after year i can go and chase after a critter and hopefully be able to take it um i think we start out that way and then the the more experienced that you become in that, that's where people then begin to get, well, now I want to challenge myself. Right. I want to go and I want to, I want to get a bigger deer. I think the biggest hangup that we're seeing, at least in the, the individuals that I have spoken with is we like the aspect of then I want to, I want to now challenge myself, but at the same time, there is no extra effort given by the individuals who want that change to happen. Because they want to now chase bigger animals, everybody should want to chase right. bigger animals. And that's where I think being our state, I would say probably, I don't know, just being as ingrained as it is as in the state of Michigan, I want to say we're leaning towards, I don't even want to say thirds. I'm I'm, I'm probably going to go split right down the half, middle. Um, guys go off to camp, they shoot something, they bring it back, doesn't matter what's on its head. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's that also the camp that is really ingrained into wanting bigger animals. They are beating that drum. Yeah. But at the same time, like, hey, you go to the same tree stand the same way. Yeah. You take along the same snacks. You haven't changed. Yeah. But at the same time, you want the landscape to change. 
Yeah. And hearing that, that's, I would say that's probably the, the hardest sticking point is, is that we hear the complaining, we hear the, this is what our state needs when it's like, Hey, let's, let's change this verbiage up. This is what you want. This, this yeah. is, these are your needs. Yeah. If I'm going to talk to somebody like you sitting here talking to me and you're like, Hey, these are my needs. These are my wants. How can we, how can we work together with this? That is a table that I can approach. And that is a table that we can work with having a state like, like Michigan being 50, 50. Yeah. When we start to get, this is what needs to happen because of my goals and aspirations. That's what makes things hard. Um, that's where people are then going to hold the chips closer. They're going to hold the cards because yeah, we can, we, there's half of us that don't want to change. Right. Right. And I think, and this is kind of where, where I stand is I honestly feel that there, there is a happy medium, but it takes sacrifice on both ends to get what you want, right? The, the rules and regulations may or may not change, but it's just a matter of, Hey, I'm not going to shoot this this year, or I am going to shoot this this year, or, you know, it's just a matter of you and your, your neighbors coming together, communicating and, and making, uh, and making, I don't know, deals with each other or agreeing on certain, you know, uh, management practices or things like that. But at the end, I also feel you should be able to do whatever the hell you want. You want to go out and you want to smoke the first deer that comes by, by all means, you should do it. If that's a, if that's a forky, smoke them, right? If that's what makes you happy, smoke them. I, I, and I, I agree on that a hundred percent because ultimately I hunt because it makes me happy. And, and in this world right now, I need as many things that make me happy as, as humanly possible. <laughs> and so, um, I hunt. I hunt the way I hunt because it makes me happy. And for me, that's a big deer. If shooting, uh, if shooting a, a, a doe or a spike or a yearling makes you happy, man, I'm never going to question you on that uh, because, it, you know, it is what it is. But if you bitch, but if you bitch about it, then I'll start talking trash. Then I'm going to start talking trash. I tell you, the whole, and, you know, our friends, uh, Eric and Greg over there at OKest Hunter, I've gone back and forth with them. And I, I do, I appreciate um, what they're trying to say is, yeah, it's it's your tag. Yeah. Shoot what you want to shoot. Yep. And you're not going to get any qualms from them or from anybody. Because if it makes you happy, you're, you are ecstatic about this. You are a part of the brotherhood of hunting at this point. If yeah. you're ecstatic about it, you're happy about it. And shoot, that's two tags. I see big deer alongside the road all the time get hit by cars that are then left and wasted. Yeah. Not just the meat, but shoot, the antler hides, you know, the antlers hide there. That's one less deer that you're able to take yeah. that could have been something that you could have had. So the numbers are there. If if we can get in, get get what we need as far as the meat and, you know, have us get out of the way so that you, the chess game can continue by all means. I love to hear you say that, that uh, if it's your tag to do what you want. But at the same time, like I, I know it failed in Wisconsin. And again, it, it would be changed. People would be so mad about it. Maybe yeah. half of Michigan will burn. But to do, you know, where you can continue to get your doe tags, but to maybe implement the earn a buck again, I would be I would be curious to see what would happen there. Because if we are so inundated with does, hey, we you should take does. We need to take more does. Okay. Well, let's take a doe, and now you can go do your chess game. Now you can yeah. go uh, get your big buck. And then for the meat hunter at me, 
oh, I'm just going to stick to my same game, just make sure that it doesn't have anything on its head, and first available, hey, great, now I can yeah. go for, if I want to change my game, I can now go and get that buck, bigger buck that I wanted to, but if I've already earned that that deer and I have a spike come through, hey, I'm in with my two tags and I'm out of the way. Yeah. So, yeah. I, that would be that would be something that I would be very curious to see what would happen. I think uh, there would be again be a lot of unhappy people. I could already hear Wisconsin saying, "Don't do it, don't do it." But at the same time, you know, that's just one thing that I saw that as both sides coming to the table. So there's definitely room yeah. for for and, that to happen. And I think what happens when it comes to uh, rules and regulations is it 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 would take for some some big change in some state like that to say the, like it would, it would be a bandaid rip for someone. It would suck the first year or two. Oh, this sucks. But then it would just be a matter of time until you would actually see the results of mm-hmm. a said change or, or something like that. And it would piss a lot of people off. Um, but at the same time, I feel that it would be a, they would like it more in the long run. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in charge. Cause if I was, yeah. in, if I was in charge of all the States, um, I would do exactly what Iowa is doing in absolutely every state in the country. Every County has quotas, um, based off of how many does that you can take, you get one archery buck tag and you get one, uh, one, uh, gun tag. And, and so I feel like that management practice uh, is in, in certain counties. And so in the county that I live in, there is less available tags or there's more people actually. And the quota goes by faster. And my home, my home county where I uh, went to school and was raised that county, I can go back and kill as many does as I want every, every single year I could go hunt. You know, I think the quota is like 5,000 tags uh, doe tags. And so if I wanted to, and there's always like a thousand left over at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. if I wanted to, man, I could go smoke a doe just about every day of the season. If I wanted to, if I wanted to go and buy that, buy that tag. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Hey, even in the big state of (laughs) Iowa, there's the, the opportunity. Yeah. Opportunity. That's the key word. Yep. That's you got to be able for we know you've got your goals is set, but even in the great state of Iowa, there is opportunity for yeah. folks to continue to be able to take animals and put them in their freezer. So that's all we need. That's yep. all we want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Nick, um, I know you're a teacher and you are, uh, you're out in the parking lot of your school recording this episode. And so yes. the, the, the window here is closed. And I gotta make sure I gotta make sure you get back to sculpting the young minds of America, and uh, you and so one I, one game of dodgeball at a time. There you go, there you go. Well, hey man, I really appreciate you uh, jumping on today and and having this little uh, this conversation, this uh, this BS session with me. So uh, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I I hope listeners get a lot out of this. That it, and I think it is. It's I think it's more true fifty fifty. Or I even think that individually, or as people begin to talk to others, hey, these are my goals. I want to be able to shoot the biggest buck that I can find. I want to play the chess match. I'm going to find the buck, the uh, the beds. I'm going to get in there super quiet, go mobile. And then you be able to come to the table with somebody that says, you know what? I love, 
I, I love hunting just as much as you do. And these are my goals. These are my sets that I want to be able to be able to feed venison to my family on a weekly basis. Yeah. Like those two guys can come to a table. They can drink beer together. They can have an amazing night. And it's because we're continuing to know that the, our practice of hunting is what brings us together. Absolutely. Whether it's on their head, whether it's just meat in the freezer, like taking a step back and I think seeing a face, seeing a person and knowing their heart on what they're trying to do, that's the first step. Yeah. Um, coming in with regulations and trying to be divisive, trying to be someone that says, no, no, we chase big antlers and we now all want to big chase antlers. If you start to take away the opportunity, that's when the pitchforks are going to come out. Right. That's where we're going to get the rioting. So as long as opportunity is there for us meat hunters, hey, we can coexist with any big buck hunter out there. There you go. And if a nice old five-year-old 160-inch 10-pointer comes by your stand, that's a lot of meat, man. I tell you what, I will not hesitate. <laughs> <laughs> and you betcha, I don't have any big full mounts on my wall yet, but I will flex that one. We will full, <laughs> we will full shoulder mount that one for sure. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Nick. Man, love that guy. Um, and really what it comes down to is just, you know, enjoy your time spent out in the woods like i mentioned in this podcast man i hunt because it makes me happy and i hunt the way that i hunt because it makes me happy and because i have the ability for to do so right and if i didn't have this the ability to hunt the way i hunt i'd hunt a different way and that would probably make me happy too so uh uh hunting makes me happy period and i know that hunting makes you happy and why why do things that make us unhappy or or make the other people who enjoy our sport unhappy as well i hope that makes sense so uh huge shout out to tethered wasp hunt stand and vortex please go out and support the companies that support this podcast and last but not least good vibes in man good vibes out we'll talk to you next time